Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Josh. I'm one of the ministry team here. And um, I've got, I don't know if it's bad or good news, but it's different news. Andrew's not back next weekend. No, no, I think I told you that Andy was preaching next weekend, which means Andy Tuscan, one of our student ministers, is preaching next weekend. But Andrew will be back the following weekend. So we look forward to seeing him then. And who knows if the church will be full or not. We'll see. Uh, it's um, great to be with you, great to be uh, continuing in our series on uh, Hebrews, uh, where we're nearing the end of, we'll, we'll actually reach the end of Hebrews as we come to the end of the school holidays and launch next term into our, uh, our new project together. Uh, but as we come to this uh, uh, part of Hebrews in chapter 10, uh, we're talking about uh, being near to God. And you probably understand how it is good to be near to other people. In the last uh, couple of uh, uh, 18 months or so, we've had cause to, I guess, value that more than we have in the last years, as restrictions have seen us unable to be near people that we uh, know and love at various times. Uh, for some, uh, those restrictions have really just been a, a, an inconvenience, but for, for others, they've been heart-wrenching. Fathers who've missed the birth of a child, or um, those who've not been able to be with um, ill loved ones, and so on. And so when those restrictions ended and you're able to see people again, most people are keen to be with people that they care about and, and spend time with them, um, see family that they haven't been able to see, or, or, or friends. Now this book um, of Hebrews, the last few chapters particularly, has, has been um, telling us that, well, We've been restricted from being with God, uh, but now restrictions have lifted. Now, I know even if, if you did really enjoy the time on your own during COVID, because I know some people did, and they just thought, this is great, I actually don't want to see anyone else. Uh, this is where the analogy breaks down. The difference is that God is someone you really want to be with. He's not one of your friends or family. God is someone <laughs> on a whole nother level. Being with God is really at the heart of all that we are made to be. The God who made everything. The God who knows you more deeply than anyone else. The one who's uh, worth being with more than any other person. But access had been restricted. Um, well, had been. These last chapters of Hebrews have been about how it could be possible for a sinful, unholy uh, people to be in God's presence, to do that very thing that we're made for, but the very thing that we're, we're unable to do as, as we are. And what God has done to make it possible, well, it's summarised really nicely in the first uh, verses we're looking at uh, this morning, verses 19 to 21. Have a look there. It starts uh, and says, We have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, and we have a great high priest over the house of God. The most holy place, that means God's presence, that's nearness to God. We can enter it because of Jesus, who is both the, the priest who connects us uh, permanently to God, and the, the, the true sacrifice whose blood actually cleanses us on the inside. Uh, so without him, it's, it's not possible to be near to God. In an, in, in an intimate way. Now it is 
through trust in Jesus. So if that's possible, right, if the restrictions have lifted, it would only make sense that you, that you want to make the most of that. And so that's what, that's what we're told in verse 22, to draw near to God. Draw near to God. That makes sense, right? If you can be near God, draw near to Him. But what exactly does that mean? Of course, there's a, a sense in which uh, we, we will uh, uh, see and be with God finally and fully uh, when Jesus comes back to wrap up this age. That's uh, the key feature, really, of what it is to be in the new heavens and the new earth. It's the fact that God dwells with His people. But we're told to draw near to God even now. What do you think it means to, to draw near to God? It's, it's easy to understand what it means to draw near to another human being. You can do it quite practically and tangibly. You might draw near and, and give someone a hug or draw near to, to whisper something to someone. It's a, a, de- a deliberate move to come close. And there are aspects of, I guess, our nearness to God that are almost equivalent to that, that are familiar to us. We make the most of being near Him when we um, talk to Him in prayer, when He speaks to us in His Word, when we praise Him, when we spend deliberate time with Him together, like, like this, or, or on our own. God has let us draw near to Him. He wants us to. And so making deliberate time for those things, that is hugely worthwhile. But drawing near to God must look different to drawing near to, to a, another human being as well. You can't really get a hug from a God who is spirit, who, who doesn't have arms. Uh, what, is, what's, what, what is the equivalent to that? See, drawing near to God doesn't only happen um, when you're, I guess, actually praying to God and um, praising Him or hearing from His Word. It's actually even better than that because it's more uh, encompassing. It happens in everyday life, through all of life. Uh, There is so much that comes part and parcel with being near to God, and he wants us to embrace each part of it. And so today we're looking at, um, from these verses, four aspects that flow out of this opportunity to be near to God, Um, aspects of God's gift of of drawing us uh, near to him. So here they are in summary before we go into detail. Uh, The first one is that he gives us um, a new heart, a true heart, a clean heart, and he wants us to embrace that. To, to direct our yearnings and desires more and more to, to the right things towards Him. The second one, He gives us certainty of our good standing before Him uh, because of our trust in Jesus. He gives us certainty. Uh, don't worry, the screen's okay, the screen's okay. Whew, that's lucky. I'll just put that in the middle. Okay, it's very safe now. For those playing along, we're up to seven minutes. That's why I've got the phone up here, by the way. It's not to check my messages. Uh, so we're up, to the, uh, the, we're up to the second thing that God, I guess, gives us as we draw near to him. Uh, certainty, and, uh, certainty of our good standing with him uh, that he wants us to be assured of. The third one is that he gives us uh, the opportunity to express before others how close we are to him. And he wants us to hold fast to that. And the fourth one is that he gives us a tangible way to experience and express faithfulness with other Christians in meeting together, 
So he wants us to use that opportunity. So they're the four things. We're going to look at um, each of them one by one. The first thing we've been given and are invited to embrace um, is this idea of drawing near to God with a sincere heart. A sincere heart. Verse uh, 22. See, the heart is all about what you yearn for, what you, what you desire. I wonder what it is that you yearn for uh, or have yearned for this week that you've had your heart set on. My heart typically yearns for a whole range of things throughout a week, for you know, enjoyment, for the satisfaction of achieving something, for the end of the day, sometimes for something as uh, banal as chicken McNuggets. It, it's consuming sometimes. But, but sometimes as well, I'm aware of the ugliness of the things that I yearn for. Um, like when I'm yearning for someone else's success or someone else's whatever it is. I know that that's not good. A true heart is one that yearns always for the right things, desires, well, ultimately, God himself. And this has always been a problem for human beings. Uh, back earlier in Hebrews, we read of the Israelites whose hearts were hardened, um, even though they were the very ones who saw God's mighty acts uh, in Egypt to rescue them, uh, they still uh, were hardened against him and desired to be back in Egypt uh, in a, a place that they felt was comfortable and secure rather than trusting God for those things. It's always been a problem and it's been the reason that God's agreement with his people for him to be their God and, and them to be his people, uh, the, the covenant that he made, that's the reason that's never worked out. Now we heard uh, Jeremiah 31 or part of that read uh, this morning and that's it quoted extensively in Hebrews 8 and again in the part of Hebrews 10 just before the, one, the part we read. But that contains a promise to fix all of this in a, in a permanent way. Uh, God says, you know, a time would come when there'd be a new covenant and he says, I'll put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. That was the promise, a whole new way of, of doing things, a, a, a reformation of our hearts and desires. And with Jesus coming, the new covenant has arrived Right now, those who are in Jesus have new hearts, transformed, renewed, yearning for God and good things more than they did before. And so to embrace what it means to draw near to God, well, it means to, to learn and grow in our hearts, yearning for him. It means directing our, our efforts towards uh, desiring him. It means becoming alert to those, I guess, ugly yearnings that we have and, and putting them off. It's possible for us in a way that it wasn't possible before. But of course, even with God's laws written on our hearts, with new hearts, we still find ourselves yearning for the wrong things. I do. So how can we have confidence to enter before God now? Well, verse 22 tells us that those hearts are sprinkled to remove the guilty conscience and our bodies are washed that Jesus' work of purification continues, that his good heart uh, that, was, that was broken for us continues to purify us. So right now, our hearts are truly good in God's eyes. They're truly sincere because they've been purified by Jesus, the one whose heart was always true. That means even the ugliest yearnings that we have, that we're embarrassed of, even the ugliest uh, yearnings that lead to actions that we've committed, well, they're dealt with. Our consciences might still feel guilty, 
But the truth is, objectively, our conscience, our inner person, has been totally and completely cleansed. So that's the first benefit of being near God. Sincere hearts, hearts that are actually sprinkled and already true and sincere in God's eyes, but ones that are also made new and are being transformed as we learn to love God more. Well, the second part of the the package, if you like, of drawing near is the full assurance that faith brings. Full assurance, that is certainty, having clarity in life. I think it's a, a difficult thing for us to grasp because we're very used to uncertainty in many aspects of life, very used to lack of dependability. Uh, We've uh, recently replaced our fridge uh, because we could not depend on it. We could never be sure when we woke up in the morning whether the yogurt would be frozen through or the milk would be lukewarm. It was always a surprise. But that's, uh, it's it's all through our lives, not just in our appliances, It's, it's people too that we can be uh, disappointed with when a friend doesn't um, perhaps support us in the way that that we'd hoped or when a boss doesn't come through with a a pay rise or promotion that was promised and when it comes down to it we can't even depend on our ourselves and so sometimes I think it feels like walking through life is like walking on a a tightrope we feel like uh, we, we have to kind of stay Uh, on this rope, making the right decisions and just hoping that the the wind's not going to come and knock us off out of our control anyway. Or perhaps you feel like walking forward is like a a kind of a jungle path that's that's, uh, overgrown, that's um, difficult to navigate, you don't know what you're going to tread on next. Though life might feel that way, we have certainty in Jesus about the most important question in life where we stand with the God of the universe and our future with him. This verse says we can have the full assurance that faith brings. Now that, at first, that appears a bit like a contradiction, doesn't it? Isn't faith something that kind of by definition isn't quite sure? How can it bring full assurance? Well, the important thing about faith is what or who is your faith in? How do you gain more assurance? Well, you don't, it's not by sitting and considering the strength of your own belief. It's not by closing your eyes and trying to believe more. No, it's by, by looking hard at Jesus. Because the more and more you consider him and what he's done, the more assured you'll become. Because whatever angle you look at him and his life, he is outrageously dependable. We've seen this all through Hebrews. The author has worked so hard to just show us how good Jesus is, how he's better than all your other options, how dependable uh, this object of our faith is. See, faith's not something just that you come up with on your own. It's not not blind. It's grounded in uh, God's actual work, in an actual person called Jesus Christ. And to be sure, the Christian life is uh, one that goes through ups and downs. And sometimes uh, you feel uh, God's care for you more, I guess, tangibly. At other times, you, you doubt more. But even if the world seems to be breaking around you, even if you seem to be breaking under the strain, then look at Jesus for full assurance. If you worry about where you stand before God, look at Jesus Read again these first chapters of Hebrews, perhaps. Read again one of the Gospels. That's what brings assurance. 
We can have assurance, a certainty, a clarity on life on this most important issue. And so, and so it frees us. For a, a, a Christian, life really in front of them is not like a, a tightrope or a jungle path. It's, it's, a, it's a solid, concrete road, something that's firm, something that you can step forward onto with confidence, something, a life that, uh, something on which a life can be built. And that allows us to make all kinds of otherwise crazy decisions, to spend hours a week perhaps serving in, in a ministry at church, to spend time hanging out with people you don't really have much in common with except for the Lord Jesus. It could uh, allow us to leave the nearness of uh, those that we love um, to perhaps live elsewhere in the country or in the world where the gospel hasn't been as, as, as uh, prominent because we know that we have nearness with God, the God of the universe, wherever we go. It could allow us to be generous in a way that seems foolish uh, because we know that we are near to the God who owns it all. It could allow us to lose face in an argument for the sake of someone else because we know that, that our standing with God is assured. See, it strengthens us to live life as we are actually supposed to, this assuredness about where we stand with God and our future with him. It's part of the package of what it means to come near to God. And so we need to embrace it by looking more and more at the object of our faith, looking at Jesus. Well, we've talked about sincere heart, assured faith, two of the elements that come with drawing near to God. Uh, those are, I guess, more internal, introspective elements. The other two things to embrace are more outward-facing, uh, holding on to our professed hope and encouraging each other. So these are the, the final two we'll look at, look at as, we, as we wrap up. Uh, verse 24, uh, continuing to flesh out how uh, we should live now we have confidence to enter God's presence, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. You might read that first time and think, oh, that sounds pretty similar to um, having full assurance of faith, until you realise that a profession, that's something you say out loud. This is about living lives consistent with the hope of being near to God that we have expressing that outwardly, that is, in, in what we profess. You can see this demonstrated with the original um, re recipients of this letter. Um, in the second half of chapter 10, which um, we haven't read, but you can read later on if you like, we get some insight into the persecution that these people have been um, uh, undergoing and the fact that they were able to hold on to their hope through that. Let me read you a couple of lines. It says, remember those earlier days. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. To so these people um, living there in the first century, they were challenged and they held on to the hope that they had. Drawing near to God means living like you're actually near to him, that you're close with him. I wonder if you've ever been in a situation where you've been embarrassed to be close to someone. I'm not going to be specific about this example, but there are times when I've been in um, sort of cafes or restaurants with someone and for whatever reason, the service or the, um, the meal hasn't come up to their, their standard. And so they've engaged in, a, well, an argument really with some of the staff. And when that happens, regardless of how the service or the meal has been, I, want to, I, I don't want any part of that. 
I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to be seen like that. So I want to distance myself from that person. I want people at that point to think that I am not with them. That I am somewhere, somewhere else. I don't want to be near them. I don't know if you've experienced that before. Disowning someone essentially in a public place. Now the Lord God is never embarrassing like that. Not in a bad way. Indeed, it says at the end of this verse that we can hold unswervingly to the hope we profess because he's faithful. But when we fail to profess our hope in him, what we're actually doing is distancing ourselves from him. It's the opposite to drawing near. On the flip side, holding on to our profession, that brings us near to him. I don't know where you might have opportunity to profess this hope in your life. It may look like owning your hope in, in front of a certain group of, of friends or people that don't know, perhaps, that uh, Jesus is your Lord. It may look like making a decision that will expose your priorities, lie with pleasing the God who saved you. But God gives us this opportunity to express to others that we're close to him in how we live and how we speak. And so he wants us to hold on to this unswervingly. Well, the final element here of of nearness to God to embrace is it's each other. Other Christians are a gift in this project of being near to God. Uh, Well, for lots of reasons. But the reason that comes into focus here is because in the way that we treat each other, well, we have an opportunity to live out the kind of faithfulness that God has shown to us. If you have a look at, at verse 25 there, it talks about not giving up meeting together. Now, not giving up uh, could actually probably be better translated, don't abandon meeting with each other. It's quite strong, don't abandon each other. Sounds perhaps a little more serious than you'd expect. But in in a passage urging us to draw near to God, to not abandon Him, drawing near to other Christians is, is an actual tangible expression of this. As, as we, we talked about before, those receiving this letter had been under persecution um, in, the, in the near past. They'd been suffering public ridicule. Seems some had been put in prison. So they might have been thinking to themselves, oh, I have pretty good reason not to meet up with the other Christians because if I do, I might have to suffer serious social or financial or even physical uh, repercussions for that. And yet even in that circumstance... The instruction is still to not stop meeting together. Even when it's tough, it says don't abandon each other. I wonder if that's how we think of meeting together with other Christians. Whether we think of uh, the fact that if we're serially missing um, from serious Christian fellowship, we're in a sense abandoning those who, who were there. I wonder if you Think of of meeting with other Christians as so valuable that you'd keep making it work even under threat of of serious persecution. Or what priorities you would place higher than being with other Christians, whatever that looks like. Now, of course, Hebrews is not saying you need to um, involve yourself in every church activity that exists. He doesn't want you to make sure every night of the week is spent with, with church people. No, he's just talking about consistent and meaningful involvement, not, not frenetic activity. If you look at, at verse 24, it's about considered, carefully thought through activities for the purposes of encouraging and spurring on 
uh, in a life modelled on Jesus in love and good deeds. Consistent involvement in things like coming to God together in prayer and praise and hearing his word. Uh, Coming together in deep fellowship, in service of one another. Are you consistently involved in each of those things? There it is, that's the fourth gift God gives us as we live life near him. It's the fourth gift he urges us to embrace, tangible faithfulness expressed to you and by you in community. Well, we've been offered the greatest privilege, the best thing imaginable to be with God. And it cost God to make it happen. In offering Jesus as the the perfect sacrifice, the true high priest. And so now the way to him is clear. There are no more restrictions. He invites us to draw near. The most, most wonderful, the most excellent invitation in the world. And drawing near to him means embracing what he's given us. New hearts, uh, cleansed consciences, the ample assurance of his goodness and kindness that he's given us, allowing confident faith in him. So he urges us to draw near, to keep drawing nearer and nearer to him in the way that we stay true to him uh, and hold on to the hope that he gives us in our lives and the way that we stay true to each other. These are the things that will stop us shrinking back but allow us to grow in faith and confidence and cling on to that most wonderful invitation to be with God. Let me pray. Uh, Father, thanks so much that you let uh, us be with you through the costly sacrifice of your son. Uh, Please help us draw near to you to embrace the great benefits of being in close relationship with you. Please direct our hearts towards you more truly, grow our faith in you more deeply. Let us stay true to you more surely and true to each other more firmly. In Jesus' name, amen.